Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Uh, welcome back. Our final half hour here. Afternoons on News Talk 770. Angela Cocon will be in with Calgary today following the 3 o'clock news. We'll have some more time for your calls, too, before all is said done here today. But I want to talk right now about the uh, airline industry. And, you know, certainly with the downturn in the economy, and I suppose now there's maybe some concern about uh, increased fuel costs, um, there, there is some uncertainty in the airline industry. But at the same time, there are those who see that there's room for additional players in the marketplace. Uh, it remains to be seen, I suppose, with the upper limit of airlines in Canada that our marketplace can sustain. Uh, but maybe uh, the coming years will help answer that question. Uh, but it is the case that the Canada, and as uh, our next guest points out in his piece this week, Canada is just one of two nations in the G20 largest economies without any ultra-low-cost carriers. Uh, so they, they are present in, in other nations. And there were those who feel that maybe there's a uh, room for that in, in Canada. So if we're going to see additional competition come online in the coming years, is that going to mean overall lower fares for Canadians? Uh, Justin Bachman is with Bloomberg News. Andy Jones is on the line here this afternoon. Good afternoon, Justin. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, it's an interesting piece you had this week. So give us kind of an overview as you understand it of the, the new entrants we're likely to see then in the coming years. Well, there are three that are actively raising money. One of them has started flying New Leaf, which is um, based in Winnipeg. And they're they're all trying to raise money and, and get going. Uh, one is called Enerjet, which does a lot of flying for Shell and taking uh, oil workers to northern Alberta. Um, and they also do some, some other charter flying. Um, another is Jetlines, which is in um, British Columbia, and they're trying to raise money right now um, and go with some new airplanes, um, ultimately down the road, some new Boeing 737 MAX. Um, and then you have New Leaf, which is has already begun flying on uh, 737s. And um, they're all trying to make a go of it in a market that's going to be really, really tough. Well, and that's the thing, right? And I mean, <laughs> how much yeah. of a gamble is it at this point? I, I get that you've got some, some advantage, some inherent advantage if you can come in and say our fares are lower than everybody else's. But it's a crowded marketplace already. And uh, just given the, the nature of the industry right now. Yeah, the the real the real problem facing all three of these airlines is the um, the cost structure. Every low cost airline in the world has to, before they sell a single ticket or fly a single passenger, has to work to get their cost base um, at a point that's lower than the competition. And you see that in you know Europe and the states because you've got the full service airlines with first class and global networks. Um, but in a place like the United States where you've got airlines like Frontier and Spirit and Allegiant, um, you know, everything starts with here's the cost per mile and here's the profit that we expect to make on this flight. Um, and then they work from there. So the profit is built in and the fare comes later. And what happens is that the fare ends up being lower than the competition because the cost starts out lower. Um, and in Canada, there's, there's a structural trouble in the sense of 
you know, airport fees when you when you fly to an airport. Um, from my understanding, every one of those airports is probably higher than in the states, just because of the way the the funding mechanism works. So that's really the the strike that all three of these airlines coming in, you know, face right off the bat. Yeah, well, you you said, for example, the New Leaf, one of these these proposed entrants. So rather than flying to Toronto, they'd fly to Hamilton, or rather than flying to Vancouver, they'd fly to Abbotsford, et cetera. So, right. uh, you know, are, are people prepared to do that if they can save a, a bit of money? Well, I think, yeah, I think the, the, the market is prepared to do that because we've already seen that, you know, a number of Canadians, and, and one estimate is 5 million Canadians are driving over the border every year to catch, you know, flights on on you know, airlines like Allegiant already. So, you know, the Canadian consumer is definitely um, into this business model. The the trouble is the business model only works with low costs. And even if you go to a secondary airport like Hamilton, um, is the cost low enough to make your operation feasible? Uh, tell us a bit more about Enerjet, because uh, that's an interesting case, and it's maybe a reflection of what's been happening in Alberta, because it's, it's an existing company, but uh, right. they, they've been in business previously to, to get oil and gas workers to, to northern Alberta. Yeah, they, um, they've been in business for a number of years, um, and I think it was a solid franchise until, you know, the oil market uh, went through its, its many troubles. Um, and so right now they are trying to transition that company into a low-cost airline. Um, they've got 737s, and, you know, they've got a lot of infrastructure in place, but it's really they need to raise money to do this. Um, and it's a question of whether the Canadian government is going to allow uh, a higher foreign investment cap up to 49% so that they can, can get this money. Well, to that end then, I mean, how much policy certainty is there going forward? I mean, you know, theoretically, the federal government could introduce an open skies policy and we could have uh, existing foreign low-cost carriers come in and, and start offering domestic routes. I, I don't know how likely that right. is, but how certain well, are these companies? Yeah, I mean, I think th- these companies think that they can get their funding, but longer term and structurally, if one of these flies for six months or a year, does, does that really help the country? I mean, I think the Canadian consumer would like to see a, a long-term, financially viable and successful company come in and do it. Um, and, you know, because part of it is it really goes back to the cost. If you think about low-cost airlines, there's really nothing keeping um, a Spirit or an Allegiant from flying into Canada right now, but they've chosen not to. So. What that comes down to is is more of a national debate about, you know, how should airports be funded? What should the cost be? What should the foreign ownership rules be? Um, and, and those kind of things. And I think that discussion goes on beyond what we're seeing right now with these entrepreneurs. Well, but they and, may yeah. get the discussion. You know, they may get the discussion kicked off. Well, I know that Maxime Bernier, who's running for the conservative leadership, did speak to this just recently. We, we interviewed him at the time where he rolled out a proposal where, yeah, he would uh, privatize the airports and, and take other steps that he says would reduce those costs and would, would bring more competition to the airline industry. So, But, it, mm-hmm. I mean, it almost seems like, like he's alone. I, I don't know who else is talking about this or whether it's really any of this is on Ottawa's agenda right now. Yeah, I, that's a that's a great question, and I don't know either. I mean, I think um, ultimately, you know, the market is going to have to, the Canadian consumer is going to have to speak and say, you know, these are the changes we want to see, and this is the kind of air service that, that we want to see. Um, and, and it may just not be at that point of the discussion yet. But, I mean, you know, we saw with the previous conservative government where they made a big point of saying, you know, we're going to uh, lower Canadians' uh, cell phone bills, um, mm-hmm. that... There, there's there's a populist appeal to that, that a government that could come in and say, sure. hey, you know what, we're going to help get 
uh, airfares down, right? Um, you know, sure. you, you can get political traction off of that, but it, right. I, it doesn't look right now anyway that any of these uh, up-and-coming airlines are getting any kind of special help from Ottawa. Right. I, I don't think that they are. Um, they may get an exemption as far as the, you know, what kind of investment money can you get from abroad, be that you know, in the in Europe or the states, uh, but yeah, I think you're right about the the larger structural changes that that are not happening at this point. Um, so it, it may be a case where we are talking about this for for several years to come, and it may not be these companies; it may be other airlines uh, down the road. But I do think if there were, you know, some changes in the structure or of the the entire national airport model, you probably would see some movement because. You know, airlines are doing well around the world now, and there's no reason to think that, that you know, Canada would not support a, another large carrier. Yeah. Well, and I think for a lot of people, it might think, you know, maybe I'd never use New Leaf or any of these other companies. But if their mere existence can bring down prices at WestJet or Canada, uh, then that's a, that's a good thing. But how, I don't right. know, how worried do you think the, the established players are by this? Well, I, you know, I think that they're going to come in and, and match some fares, and they're going to start some new routes. But... You know they have deep pockets, and an airline is is nothing but a cash intensive business. So, if New Leaf is flying now, I mean I've heard some people predict that you may not see them in the new year. Um, we don't know anything about their finances, but it just it, it's a very cash intensive business, and you've got to have some deep pockets to to make a go of it. So, I I don't think Air Canada and WestJet are terribly concerned at this point because of you know what they're seeing in the competition, but. You know, there could be some short-term gains as far as, you know, fares and service. Well, we'll see how it all plays out. In the meantime, more at Bloomberg.com. Justin, thanks for making some time for us here this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank all right, you. take care. Justin Bachman is an aviation and travel reporter with Bloomberg News. Bloomberg.com is the website. Uh, so, you know, it's that's a risky venture. You know, maybe there is room in the marketplace for an ultra-low fare carrier. But just all the upfront costs involved in, in doing that and then to have to try to work out some arrangement with, with the airports, that's a tough go. Uh, it really is. So I think it's going to be a while before we see some of these new airlines really come on stream and really have a lot to offer consumers. And then by extension to see the, the established players start to respond. But again, I, I think in, in a broad sense, more competition is usually a good thing, isn't it? 974-8255 is a telephone number. Quick break here. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.